10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Am I Allowed to Like Anything podcast. I'm your host, Darian Simone Harvin. And right now I'm recording this intro from Cincinnati, Ohio. Whenever I travel, I really try to record a podcast with someone who lives where I am. I just think it's a good reminder for myself and others that the world doesn't revolve around New York City and there are people who live everywhere and who are creating community where they are who have unique voices that deserve to be amplified, right? So for this episode, I asked Megan Mitchell to join me. Megan and I both went to Emerson College in Boston, and today she's a reporter and anchor at WLWT, which is NBC's Cincinnati affiliate. So we talk about her journey as a local news reporter and some of the people and communities that she's covered so far. And also, the Plus One segment this week is pretty legit, if I do say so myself. So enjoy. Remember that you can rate and subscribe to Am I Allowed to Like Anything on iTunes, listen on Acast, and always join the conversation using the hashtag A-I-A-T-L-A. Okay, well, Megan, first of all, thank you so much. Yeah, no, I'm so happy that you're here. I was going to say that I'm here, but you're here. <laughs> and I'm so, I'm so excited to be here interviewing you. Yeah. We've been friends since Emerson. <laughs> you know, we've both continued to watch each other yeah. go in our We were in our actually, now we were co, co... Oh, my gosh. I always forget about it, too. We were co-entertainment that, producers of WEBN. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we were something. And then... Or, like, I was your... I forget. I forget. Damn. Isn't it funny? And I feel like I remember so many of my positions, but that one, it was just like... And I also... forget most of that. Yeah. Emerson, the land of opportunity. Yeah, right? for sure. <laughs> and, it, and it's so crazy because I always think to myself, I've been to the Oscars twice through Emerson and I have not been back. <laughs> it's true though. But and okay. Emmys. Okay, I didn't end up going to the Emmys because that was the year I decided to stay well, in New York. You and Dom like suggested me. To oh, yeah. Remember? Yes. Yeah. And I wasn't really a part of EBN at that point. I know. And you got to go to the Emmys. I know. Very cool. Anyway. anyway. Tangent about Emerson. Yeah. So, sorry, everybody. But that's that's the life we yeah, were living for Yeah, you know what? That's years. a little background for you. That's yeah. some context. Exactly. Darian and Megan. Context. Darian <laughs> and Megan context. <laughs> but... Another big reason that I wanted you to be on my podcast is because I think it's so important to make sure that we are remembering and spotlighting. And I say this for a lot of people who listen to my podcast who I know live in New York, which is where I live and how they know me sure. and just who live in, in in big cities, right? I want us to remember that, number one, there are people living everywhere yeah. that are doing things within their community, yeah, doing big things within their community. And I don't want us to forget that. And I also just want to make sure that if I'm going someplace, I'm interviewing someone there, not just people who are in New York because it's comfortable or it's convenient. And I want to make sure that there are people everywhere kind of being spotlighted as as they should be. Yeah. And because I think that you have such an interesting and a, and a 
different for me. Well, it, I guess interesting for me and also different because it's we live different lives. Sure. Yeah. And um, but we are so close in age. We're both young people, young millennials who went to Emerson for broadcast journalism. Yeah. And here we are. It's so true. Yeah. So I don't know. That's that was another thing, too, is bringing people to where you are, I guess, in a yeah. way that's like not New York City or not a big in- it's funny that you mention that because, like, Cincinnati. I didn't live here four months ago. In fact, I didn't even think about Cincinnati four months ago. I didn't – same with North Dakota. Before I moved to North Dakota, I just thought, okay, like, no one actually, like, really lives there. But, like, no, I live there. People live there. Right. People you like, survive there. Right. <laughs> and that's <laughs> what I'm saying is – I was like, I always have this mentality. Oh, yeah, everyone's living in New York. Oh, yeah, everyone's living in L.A. Like, right. But that was these the random we... cities, exactly. I'm just like, oh my gosh, what? People live, and then I'm one of those people. Yeah, and it's like I want to break that mindset, or I want to make sure that I that we are not always thinking that way, right? That yeah, there especially, are people, I think especially like millennials, like people who are like in their young twenties, you know, yes. or like mid twenties. Yes, too. yes, I agree. Um, okay, so as I start with all my guests, let's do it. I want a little bit about how you grew up in how that may or may not have led to just your interest in kind of what you're doing now. Like obviously journalism, but I think it's more than journalism. I think it's, I think it's also a story about consistency and perseverance in a way because, well, here's the thing. I I called Pat today. I called, yes, I called (laughs) Pat Lambert today. Pat Pat Lambert. We went to Emerson college with Pat Lambert and you and Pat Lambert are good friends. Yes. And I called him because I wanted to, I wasn't looking to, it's almost like if you're profiling someone, sure. you want to talk to people who know them. Oh, he, uh, he knows you pretty well. Oh, he knows you. <laughs> so, no. And so I called him and I, and I asked him, what for you is the most endearing thing about Megan? Oh my God. What is, oh my God. <laughs> and he said, and, well, he said two things. He said, you obviously both share like this common spirit and excitement for life. And he also said, and and this is kind of when I'm getting down to this crux of of consistency. Okay. He also said, you know, Megan is someone who she decided that she wanted to be a reporter and she went to North Dakota and she did it, which is a lot of young people. That's how we're, that's how we're told you need to get your start as someone who, especially at Emerson, right? Like the the path, right? That's the path that you need to take, but you have not only have you you've done it but you were at your second station yeah in a larger market and so i feel like a little bit of it may a little bit of this story maybe more of it has to do with your time at emerson is kind of figuring that out you know because i remember even when we were process yeah when we were at emerson it was like okay we want to do this we no never mind but oh actually we think we want to do that again (laughs) on and off yeah on and off (laughs) that's like us to a T. So, okay, so with that being said, yeah. um, we are here in Cincinnati right now. We are in your awesome apartment downtown, which is awesome. Thanks. This is a real city, people. This is a real downtown. And that's the thing. It, you know, my family was here last weekend, and they said, this kind of looks like, I mean, I think that they're obviously exaggerating because I lived in New York, you know, every yeah. summer of college, but they're like, it looks like a New York skyline. I mean, it really doesn't look like a New York skyline. I think it looks a little bit more small city than that, but... Up the close, like the buildings, for yeah, sure. Like and the you know, buildings. it looks like you're in a city, which for this price, you can't get in New York. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, okay. So my first question, as you know, as I started yeah. with everyone is, I want to kind of get a background about how you grew up 
in Massachusetts. In Connecticut. In Connecticut. Yes, yes. Damn it. You're so close. And honestly, Connecticut and Massachusetts are kind of like sister states, though. <sighs> Damn. I, I Why am I like, oh, yeah, don't you work at that company? No, I don't work. I'm like, <laughs> anyways, okay. So, as I started right. with all my guests. Half my friends were Red Sox fans and Patriots fans. So. <laughs> right? I know. It's like you basically, in New England. You grew up in New England. Exactly. Anyways, so as I like to do with all my guests, yeah, tell me about how you grew up. Sure. And if you can, and if it does, how that connected you to your interest in journalism. So that's interesting. I feel like, so I grew up in a very, it's like almost prime suburban Connecticut, you know, Mm -hmm. it was a Catholic upbringing and I did Catholic school in high school, but did public school up until eighth grade. And Me too. Oh, nice. Really? Wait, yeah, no, I did. I went to yeah. a public school until eighth grade, and then I went to a Catholic Same. school. Yeah. And I was not Catholic, and I would try to get out of mass and every chance I could. Yeah? Like, I would hide. I would legitimately that hide. That is so funny. You know, because I currently identify as an atheist, but at that point, you know, I'm right, like you gotta super go to- into it, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. But um, once I got into college and just kind of realized what I really thought about the world, it was like, that's not part of it. <laughs> so um, I love how we laugh. Like, <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Like my whole family's still, you know, mm-hmm. no disrespect or anything to, to anybody who, but I just don't believe. That. Yeah. Wait, so your family knows that, you, that you're atheist. Yes. And they're yes. like, you know, what? it's of course there's contentious moments, but mm-hmm. like we'll have back and forths. Um, for the most part, they're, you know, what, what can they do? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so sad, but yeah. Okay. So yeah. tell me more about Connecticut. Yeah. So Connecticut, it was, I mean, it was like the ultimate suburban upbringing. You know, there was, um, little diversity and, and if there was diversity, it, you know, it was probably not in, in all of the sectors that you would imagine. Right. right. So I don't know any gay people that grew up there. And as a gay person that probably, wasn't ideal because it, you know, made me really inter- like, you know, oh, what is this? What are these feelings? You know what I mean? Right. Um, just because I didn't know anybody. With that said, it's it's interesting that like, I I don't know. I wrote. I, I don't want to say I rose above it. I don't want to make give myself enough no. that much credit. But, but how, I think. But how, I think yeah. Like I always identified myself as like almost a weirdo, like an outsider. Does that make sense? Like mm-hmm. I always thought of myself as like, okay, like here's what you're supposed to be. I'll kind of be that for now, but I always liked kind of the oddities and the outsiders. Mm. And um, I think that kind of grew a little bit of an like empathetic or like an openness. And when I was in high school, I kind of flocked. I had almost my little like, I guess so-and-so like cool group of friends and Mm. I I love them to death, you know, but I would always have these like side friends that were like, you know, kind of the weirdos or whatever that I like. Yeah. Would always what hang made out them with. weird? Like, what made them, I guess, different from? Yeah, I mean, you know, high school and middle school, right? Yeah. So it's like you have these ideas of who you want people to be. A lot of the times, they conform to like gender norms and stuff. Yeah, them. like basically, they were they were weird for that environment because they decided not to conform. Right, and, and I think that in in a sense, like I remember, like a girl came out to me in high school, and I didn't know what to do but like I was it was like at a coffee shop where she was like doing a slam poetry and that wasn't part of my social curriculum yeah so I I was like oh like this is so crazy like I can't believe this is a thing and so I think like I was very um eager to try and 
opened my horizons because I, I felt more towards those types of people than probably the norm. Yeah. And I guess, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I want to sort my way. I want to kind of like sort my way through this because I think that there's so much there. It's like, it seems like to me, you were realizing that thankfully everything that you had been exposed to so far in life, there was more to it. Yeah. And you just yeah. wanted to make sure that you were getting that. Yeah. That you were and realizing I that. Mean, you were able to realize through glimpses in life. Yeah. That- and you know what? It's so funny. I don't know how you came to choose your college, Emerson, of course, but like I really think that that was like the main factor. As much as I want to say it was broadcast journalism, as much as I want to say, oh, they had like a D3 lacrosse team. I don't know if you know, I was part of the lacrosse team. Yeah, I remember that. First year. But like the biggest thing was, I think, the fact that it was these people who weren't the norm and were so accepting of it. And there was an acceptance of the outsider. Bringing it back up to speed, you decide that you definitely want to do the reporter thing. (laughs) Oh, yes. And your first station was in North Dakota. Yeah, NBC North Dakota News. What was that like? I'm going to be honest. It was tough. It was so lonely out there, you know? It's there's people out there and there's great and you have to find your little crux of people because if you don't it could get really kind of sad you know it's a long way away from I guess not just um, home but from the nearest city it's six hours away from Minneapolis six and a half really that's the nearest city so to say that um, it was I guess uh, a learning experience would be like probably the perfect way to say it because I learned so much about myself in times where I I didn't realize how much loneliness affected me. I didn't realize, you know, certain things about what I needed in life, which I think that included, we're going to bring this back because it's kind of a theme right now, but that kind of group of friends that I really can confide in that weren't the norm, you know, the, the people who, who got it, who like understood like I'm myself that's who I am. I'm not, I mean, I am the person on the news, but I'm not necessarily like this, like walking, super, talking, like, super um, glamour girl, you know? Yeah. I yeah. do that. And you know, there's obviously complications with that, that I have every day about like how I express my gender on air. But I think I just wanted that kind of side group again, like that group, but that of course in Emerson and beyond ended mm-hmm. up becoming my real group of friends. Right. And what was your, you had a focus when you were at that station too. Oh yeah. I wanted to do the work really well and I wanted to tell stories really well. I wanted to anchor really well. So I was like, I'm using this time that I'm really lonely to like, 
become Be- very good oh, at this. Yes, exactly. Not that I'm very good at it, but I really improved. While you were there, though, you had like a bee. So I was the Native American bee reporter. Mm-hmm. Everyone had kind of an education beat, the politics beat, but this was kind of a beat that no one had really taken up for years. And I ended up doing a couple stories and my news director kind of said, Hey, Megan, wouldn't you like to? And I'm like, yeah, I really would. With that said, what an interesting intersection of history, context, like talking about context, mm-hmm. like every single story I did there, whether it be about opening shops in town, whether it be about two spirit Native Americans, which is people that are on the reservation or not on the reservation that are Native American who identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender. Any of these stories have such a deep history because of colonization and because of the way that they are treated now, post-colonization, um, that affect how they live right now. It's it's such an interesting beat, and I ended up falling in love, in love with it and falling in love with the people that I met down on the reservation, and the, we had two reservations that I covered. And what were the, those two reservations? It was the MHA Nation, which is Mandan Hidatsa Arikara Nation. That's up in Fort Berthold. And then um, down the Standing Rock Reservation, which is Lakota Sioux. And yeah, they mm-hmm. that was down in uh, like 48's area of North Dakota. What did you learn from reporting on, on the community of Native Americans, both of those yeah. reservations? Like, what did you learn from them? That is like one of the biggest things I've learned as my as a reporter it, it was this here. I, you need to be a part of that community to report on it. I know like a lot of the police brutality movement is to be like, hey, you should be living in the communities that you serve. I think you need to be involved in the communities that you serve as a journalist. Like, right. There is a difference in perspective when you're reporting on something that you really don't know much about of course every day we're reporting on crime and everything here but how did you you become familiar do you feel how did you kind of immerse yourself into the community I think any journalist is like how do I do this but right yeah I guess you make one connection and um I mean I I ended up doing this documentary on two-spirit Native Americans and like I said that's people who identify as LGBTQ in some way shape or form And through that, I spent so much time interviewing them and getting footage and everything. And being gay and queer myself, I automatically had like, you know, a connection to these people where they were like, hey, like, she's not going to twist our words. She's not going to. And once you get that connection with people and especially Native Americans who I feel like are a disenfranchised group, it's it's not necessarily... um, Native American reservations, it's a, it's an oppressed life. You're living not only in a an oppressive place because they were given parcels of land by the government that they couldn't farm on. So from the start, they're not given much, right? With that said, that it doesn't just stop when the government says, oh, here you go, now you're all good. Like, that carries on. Generation to generation, there's historical trauma that's carried throughout these people's lives. And so I think with that said, it's just like something that I think needed to have more light shine on it rather than more darkness. It's easy to cover the issues that um, are most catchy, like, you know, it bleeds, it leads or whatever. But I think 
one thing that is important to do in especially communities like that is shine a light on some of the goods that they can empower themselves to say, Hey, like we are doing good and no one is covering this. And then they could see themselves like, yes, like we're a community that is doing well. We're a community that are fighters that have overcome adversity. Like that's right. who you should be thinking of. You know what I mean? And that kind of also speaks to the power of visibility and seeing yourself in media. Representation is so important. And so, you know, with that said, so I feel like, um, at least, you know, with the pipeline fight that's happening now, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen much of it. No, I've seen some of it, but talk a little bit about it just for people who don't sure. know everything. Yeah. So the Dakota <laughs> Access Pipeline is a pipeline that's going to go right above the reservation Which of reservation? Standing Rock. Okay. Standing Rock. So they're, okay. my, they're an hour from Bismarck. So they were my main contacts and friends with like dozens and dozens of people there. Mm-hmm. And with that said, that if that pipeline breaks, their water source is gone. You know, like right. it's done for. And it also is in treaty boundary, which means that the U.S. government has once again, which by once again, I mean every single treaty that the Native Americans had with the U.S. government has been broken. Every single one. This is just another one because this company, Dakota Access Pipeline, um, built the land and, you know, the PSC, the Public Service Commission approved it, the state approved it. And, uh, yeah, it was just like, I felt like there was a lot that wasn't being addressed. And Native Americans, when when the environmental assessment was being done, were not even part of the environmental assessment. There was no mention of a tribe anywhere in the area, which is, I just felt like this is something that needed to be covered. So I have really great friends there who were like, Megan, we want you to cover this. I was the first news, we were the first TV news organization to break that story because I was, I had become friends with the people there and mm-hmm. I got both sides. And so it, it's just an interesting and very telling, I think, story that. That kind of represents some of the narrative and the issues between the relationships with Native Americans. Just and, I'm, yes, I'm sorry, I, have, I should have not finished your sentence there. No, but. that ha- exactly, that have been going on for centuries, you know? With that said, Covered that for months and then obviously left in June before it really broke into, you know, a major issue and major protest. Um, but now it's getting a lot of attention, which I think is a great thing. I've been keeping in contact, very close contact with a lot of people on the reservation. Mm-hmm. We're really happy about the way that the national media has covered it. Not so much local, but I think that the national media has been doing a good job. Wow. Yeah. You don't hear that often. No. And especially for Native Americans, I feel like... Um, a lot of the times they aren't represented, as you mentioned. They're not really shown. Um, there's not many Native Americans in government right now. There's not many Native Americans in uh, Hollywood or media right now. So I think that this is um, a good way for them to like see themselves doing something really good. You're reporting while yeah, you were yeah, in North yeah. Dakota, and even now, in in also talking about what we were what we were mentioning earlier about making sure that we are viewing America and American people as not just the people we see every day, but the people who are living in Cincinnati and in New York and in Dallas and in Atlanta and in Martinsville, Virginia. (laughs) I love that random. (laughs) (laughs) My my, my grandfather's from there. So I figured I'd go at it. Yes. But what have you realized about America while you've been reporting in America? So here might be one of the more controversial things that I think, I've realized, which 
you know, I think some people may disagree with me, but there have been articles that have been coming out lately that have that pertain to this, which say like, um, you know, don't engage your friends who are racist or don't engage your friends who are sexist or whatever. I would say I living in these communities have a problem with that. Mm. I have changed so many people's minds, just like either living out my life or talking to them about my life mm. or talking to them about a certain issue rather than saying, well, you should be figuring this out by yourself. And I, and I do think like, it is not the oppressed person's job to explain anything. That's not what I'm saying. Mm. Should we stop the conversation because of that? No. Like, I find that talking and sharing experiences is that's journalism. It's the only way to change people's minds. Like, that, people aren't just going to learn if they don't have any source of any exposure, exposure to experience it. and and. So I, I've just been like really realizing, you know, I, my best friend in North Dakota was, you know, highly, highly, um, one way on the political spectrum, very conservative, right? I have nothing against that. And I have nothing against people who are highly, highly liberal on the spectrum. What I am saying is that once he understood certain things about me, once I understood certain things about him, I accepted him more. He accepted me more. It was an, a beautiful, like... Like, it really was relationship growth, and, and it wouldn't have got that way if it wasn't for conversations and engaging with people who are different than you. So as I told you, there's one question I've been asking everyone yeah. for this series of podcasts. Let's do it. About the election. Yeah. Yeah. You say that <laughs> so enthusiastically. <laughs> and I'm, like, crying inside. No, I'm just serious. Um, how has the 2016 election affected you? So far. So as a journalist, I cannot believe what like political reporting has become, what um, I think the election has become. It's interesting because I have so many mentors in the newsroom, both in Bismarck and in Cincinnati that are like, Megan, just letting you know, uh, this isn't normal. This isn't <laughs> the normal election. So I'm just kind of taking it step by step. With that said, as a journalist, it's interesting when I cover these issues um, or when I'm in a newsroom, what we'll decide to cover. Because sometimes, you know, I'll think, oh, like, that seems a little bit gossipy from one side or the other. Mm -hmm. We cover it. Sometimes it'll be pretty gossipy, and I'm like, oh, I guess we got to cover this, you know? And they're like, no, like, we don't, you know, we don't want to cover that type of thing. It's, it's been an interesting intersection that I feel like any other um, election would, like, you know, for example, I think about, um, 2012, Mitt Romney. I was a student journalist at that time, right? right? So there was that one major scandal that he had where he was basically saying that a certain percent, probably like 40 to 45% of the country is living off of welfare. And, and that made headlines huge. It, it probably put him down in the polls. It really was a scandal so-and-so. Whereas some things that have been said in this election from both sides, a lot of what Donald Trump has said has become very controversial, especially the month of August for him was so crazy. So I think with that said, it's interesting that it's either not necessarily deterring him as much as it did with Mitt Romney. It's interesting to see from a reporter's perspective, like what ends up affecting a candidate, what ends up not, you know? Yeah. So 
Yeah, it's been a crazy election cycle. That's all I got to yeah, say. Yeah, what affects them and what doesn't and what's that based off of, right? Right? I know. You know, I often find myself, once I ask this question and, and people respond. Yes, yes. I want to have something really smart to say after it. Oh, gosh. Okay. But I, I don't. No, okay. I, it's one of those, I think you got to take it. I think every I just single person in, in this world is like. Say. I'm just like, and I, thank you for your opinion. Thank you for sharing this with me. Seriously, I, I went abroad, abroad to Peru back in April with my friend Pat. I was trying, you know, trying my best with Spanish and everything. But people were like, Trump, what, what is, what, what is he doing? What is happening there? You know, and I'm like. I, I just can't. I don't know. You know, I, I'm not sure. I wish I had some really smart political response, but I don't yeah. have that. I'm just really trying to share with people. It's been people. a lot. <laughs> right. I'm just trying to share with people and expose people and expose myself to how people are feeling and how they're being affected. Yes. Um, here's my last question before we get to the plus one segment, which I'm really excited for. Yes. Because I'm really excited for my plus one. Okay. Okay. Let's do it. What is your dream right now what do you think about every day what keeps you up at night where do you see yourself so I would say in the short term my dream I want to be the best anchor like in Cincinnati not in Cincinnati but at least in my time slot or whatever I want to engage an audience I've been working really closely with my news director and it's like every single day I I get nervous and, and it was a different thing in Bismarck because I wasn't really crazy about trying to, um, you know, we only had one other competition. Whereas here it's a four station market. You got Fox, NBC, CBS, and ABC. Mm-hmm. Now I'm competing against the big, like the big, so I'm like, okay, I got to improve. I'm like crazy self-improver, right? So I'm like, that's what Pat mentioned about you. He said, you're okay. always, he's like, she is someone <laughs> she's consistently trying to be better. She critiques herself all the time. Ah! I know, I know. So like that, she watches like, her. She watches her videos, and her videos back again. That's so funny. I know because you know he gets annoyed. I try to send, make him look at that stuff just to get a second <laughs> opinion. He was always like, "You always send me this. I won't watch it." So you know, I try, but you know, it, it's important to me. Like when I'm like in it, in the thick of it, like my that's my goal. Like I, I want to improve, improve, improve. And like, luckily, my news director is great at feedback he's great at giving me legitimate points to work on Mm. so it's been super helpful for me and um you know eventually like Cincinnati I think is where I want to be right now it's where I want to be for the next few years um it would be nice if I was able to go back to like the New York City area obviously that's like long time dream once you get your big network job yeah well, I hope you know if that ever happens right because it's a competitive industry and everything mm-hmm. but um, yeah that's the long term goal I don't usually think about that much recently just because mm-hmm. I've been like so in the thick of things here but right in this industry it's so easy to be deterred by the situation that you're in North Dakota was not fun in certain ways <laughs> with that said I always kept this goal I'm doing this right now because I love the audience, I love the viewers, and I love what I'm actually doing on air. I always had to keep in mind, okay, Megan, you're doing this because you want to get better. You're doing this because you actually like the practice of it and because you know eventually like, you're going to go to a place where you're a little bit happier. You know? Right, right. Alrighty, so... 
<laughs> plus one segment, as you know. Ah, yes. Can shout out a person, place, thing, or plus two. No, I'm happy. I'm good. One of Great. Them's real quick, though. Okay. No, good. I'm happy. Um, be my guest, please. I okay. mean, you are my guest, but you know what I yes, mean. Yes, right? <laughs> and definitely you're my guest, too. Since yeah. Since we're here. Right? Since we're here. Um, okay, so my plus one would be not necessarily a product, but I'm going to say vegetarianism, right? Are you a vegetarian? Just started. That explains the the apps that we had. Yes, we had some appetizers. I know, because I've been trying really hard. And actually, Pat, who we've been talking about this whole podcast. Is he a vegetarian? This is like the last five days, right? (laughs) (laughs) Unreal! I know, so, you know. No, 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 continue. continue. He started following PETA on Facebook, right? And so he's been getting all these videos, and he tags me in every one. So when I wake up, I'm seeing these videos of like, cows getting slaughtered and everything and i'm like you know what you're right you're right and he's convinced me so and it's also in anything that you do exercise whatever it's so much nicer to have someone that you're like yeah let's tag team on this let's both do it you know what i mean so we've been like holding each other accountable and stuff and actually i've been doing a pretty good job and it's actually not that hard you just don't eat the meat that's on the end. Right. You know? I actually eat a pretty plant-based diet now. Yeah. I'm actually going to have two plus ones because I'm going to shout out my my plant, my oh. my meal that I do that's all veggies. I would love to hear it. Yeah. Yes. And so then my plus one, plus two, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. uh, is a store here called Elman Iron. It's expensive, but it is, I've been super into decorating lately. Never been into decorating in my life. And it has kind of this industrial and sciencey vibe to it. So I've been finding my little niche in terms of decor. Ooh. I know. That's <laughs> adulting. Yo. Yeah, seriously. You're adulting. Is. I dude, bro. That's girl. I didn't even think of it as a maturing stage or yeah. as a maturing thing, but that literally is it. I'm like it out is. of and even like in Bismarck, I was like let me, like, tape this poster on the wall. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> let me, like, do right. all this college stuff, you know? Right. No. So, not anymore. I know. Look at you, like, <laughs> growing up, adulting. <laughs> okay, so what's yours? Mine is Bloop. So what is Bloop? So Bloop is this collaboration between Amina Tussauds and Jenna Wortham. Okay. Amina Tussauds is, she works in tech. She's a consultant for different tech companies, and I'm sure probably other types of companies as well. But she's also the co-host of the Call Your Girlfriend podcast. Do you listen to the Call Your Girlfriend podcast? No, I've oh never my heard God. of it, actually. No, no Dom and I <gasps> need to put you on. Dom and I, so Dominique Banias is one of our peers. Dom, who, we love you. Yeah, we love you, Dom. We miss you so much. Um, who went to Emerson. She's now in LA working on the Ellen Show. Yeah. But So Call Your Girlfriend podcast is... Amina Tussauds, and who lives in, I think she was living in San Francisco, and she li- she's living other places. Sure, sure. But her co-host is Ann Friedman, who lives in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And so the whole idea is a podcast for long-distance besties <gasps> everywhere. Stop. Are you serious? I'm dead-ass serious. I'm dead serious. So Dom and I, like, basically bond over this Stop. podcast because I'm obviously we're right long-distance besties. Um, so she's the co-host of this really popular podcast called Call Your Girlfriend. Okay. Jenna Wortham is a reporter for, is a tech reporter for the um, New York Times Magazine. Okay. And so it is this spin on Goop. And Goop is Gwyneth Paltrow's incredibly expensive site that kind of 
is a curation of all of the very expensive things that she uses from her home to her clothes, to her skincare, to her food. It's basically like, this is the $500 blanket I drape over my feet every night. Are you serious? This is the cleanser I, this is, this is the cleanser I use on my nose every day and it costs $300 and I love it. Like basically this is the whole kind, it's just, it's just white privilege, upper echelon shit Seriously. at its peak. It's peak. It's peak. It's just peak whiteness. <laughs> it's peak yeah. whiteness. So Bloop is is really their shout out to products that they use as black women. I love that. And I believe they've done two write-ups on the cut that one has kind of been like summer vibes. Like this is what you should wear. This is what you should okay, bring to the barbecue. Yeah. For people, um, this is skincare that you should be using. Here's a good playlist, all of that. And so their la- their latest one that they came out with that I read had to do with wellness. And so it's like, this is plays you should listen to. Like, these are candles, incense. And it's honestly just upgraded my life. Okay, I like love low that. key. Yes. It's upgraded my life because it's it's like two grown women being like, okay, this is what we've tried and this is what we use, and we're just giving away this free knowledge for you to take your life to the next level. So I just really appreciate Bloop. Love that. And kind of this thing that they started for fun, I'm sure. But I I often think about how women who are in their in their later twenties or just experience more of life, whenever you can learn from them, I think is so honestly something that I'm always trying to do. My second plus one, yes. I've been making okay. collard green wraps. Okay. I'm so annoyed okay. with myself. <laughs> I've been making these collard greens wraps. So I've been yeah. taking leaves of collard greens. Okay. I boil water, I blanch them. So that they're not entirely raw and yeah, don't yeah. taste as gross. Okay. Um, I've landed them for like a minute or two. Wow, this is like pretty intense. Okay, okay. So no, it's so it's so easy. It's more of just really? like putting it all together. So you lay it out, you pat it dry. You can even kind of like make a bunch at once and then put each one between like paper towels, put them in Tupperware and like save them for later. Such a good idea. So I've been what I've been putting in mind have been cucumber, bean sprouts. Um, oh, on the collard green, I'll put, you can put a hummus or a tahini or maybe totally, some type of, like, yeah, totally. yeah, and then I'll put avocado and I put beets inside and you probably need two leaves for it to really stay together. For sure, to, sure. Like a, but like yeah, a I've been thing, eating, yeah. I've been, you know, put a little salt on top. Okay. And I think you should try it. It's like, As it's a definitely a good five day old vegetarian. Yeah. Right yeah, so I don't know. Shout out to my collard greens at uh, shout out to my collard greens wraps yeah. that I've been making and perfecting. Yeah, so that's kind that's of what awesome. I've been into right now. It's definitely not enough calories, though. I will say, like, you have to make a really sure. big one, or maybe, or maybe eat two. Yeah, because it's veggies and it's not always and the fiber is there. Veggies but, in general don't, and you need a lot to fill you up. I right. So I don't know. I've Good been to know that. right. So that I'm going to shout out my collard greens apps right now. Wraps right now. Hey, hey. I think that they're great, and I kind of feel annoying that I'm eating them. But <laughs> get Whatever. in shape, 2016. Right. So, Megan, this has been great. Darren, this is awesome. I'm so glad we got Thank to do this. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. I it's, no seriously, this is like so fun and. In general, I like love the fact that you do this. I think we're very similar people in the sense that like we have that goal, you know, self-starters for sure. Yeah, to tell stories and self-start. Yeah, yeah. 
to tell stories. Right? Yes. I love it. Thank you.